Can you stand? If you can stand, please do so. If you're able and strong enough and have the health to stand, you should do it. The day might come when you can no longer do it. So let's be glad that we can. Let's read together out loud uh, the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 9, verse 59 and verse 60. Today I'd like to minister for a few minutes a message I've entitled, Let the Dead Bury the Dead. Uh, Let's read. Ready? Read. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. Verse 60. But he said to him, what did he say? Allow the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Bow your hearts. Father, we love you and we thank you this morning. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that's so faithful to visit us. Lord, I pray that you, that you would anoint me, Lord, now. Rest on me, Lord, I pray. Strengthen me, Lord. Grant me clarity of mind, precision of speech. And give these, your people that have gathered here this morning, a heart to receive, Lord, an ear to hear, and the grace to apply. Lord, your word tells us that there is not a famine for the preaching of the word. You said that there's a famine for the hearing of the word. Give us all ears to hear, Lord, what your word would say to us today. And Father, we will be careful to give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Out of the many difficult sayings of Jesus, and there are very many, I believe that the truth that is hidden in this saying is one of the most difficult truths for this generation to apply. The word of God is never irrelevant. It is never out of style or out of step with humanity or with culture. As much as culture changes, you don't need to try to be relevant, and you certainly don't need to make the word of God try to be relevant. It is relevant. It is always relevant because it is truth, and it is the only truth that really exists in the world today. Can I get an amen to that? But I believe that we struggle with the truth that is underneath the hard saying in this teaching today because what has increased is the pace of our life. That's, that's, that's prophetic. The Bible says uh, literally that the days will be shortened because of the evilness of the day. I believe we, we experience that. Doesn't it feel like time flies? That, 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 that's something that this generation, I believe, is contending with. Life used to be much slower. If you talk to your great-great-grandparents, they'll tell you, we didn't have all of this running around. Life was simpler, much simpler then. And I believe that it's simpler or it feels faster today because there are different things competing for your attention. There are things competing for our attention that we did not have to, that the previous generation didn't have to contend with. And so the time feels like it's shorter. It feels like it moves faster. And so because there are different things competing for our attention, for our devotion. In fact, let me stop to ask you, are there things competing for your attention, your devotion every day? What are they? I'm sure you could give me a list. Man, this thing's competing for my time. I have this thing competing for my devotion. Let's not even begin to talk about the spiritual temptation of sin. Forget that for a moment. There are things vying for your time, your attention, and your devotion. Leave Satan out for a moment. You add that onto your plate, and it's quite a bit. Say amen if you're in agreement. There's quite a bit that we contend with. Now, I, I, I began by sharing these things with you. Because ultimately, I believe that that is the truth behind the hard saying that we find in Luke's gospel. The truth that Jesus is trying to convey is ultimately the necessity of his people giving an urgency to his kingdom work. And if we will not recognize the need for urgency about his work, ultimately what we're going to do is we're going to end up with a heart that is willing but not ready. You're not here. 
it is entirely possible for you to say yes to the call of God and yet not be ready to walk in it. And that's what this hard saying plays out. Look at the text. Let's deal with this. Now, why is this a hard saying? First of all, because the question is this. How, put it up there, brother, follow me now. How could Jesus be so insensitive, brother? How could Jesus be so insensitive so as to provoke somebody who was grief-stricken and not allow him to go and bury his father? How could Jesus, being the Son of God, being, being a God of love, how could he forbid him from going to bury his father? This is a hard saying on the surface if you don't understand the historical and cultural background. But, but, let, but please give me a minute to do that. For those that would wonder what's wrong with, wanting, uh, with, with the man wanting to bury his father, understand that in those days, listen to me, in those days, burial of the dead was not like today. By the way, our sister Norma just lost her husband, Brother Robert, Robert uh, Carrillo, right? Uh, he died uh, just the other morning, and, and understand that, that life is like that. It's just a mist. It's a vapor. We're going to bury him on, on Friday of, of, of this upcoming week. Now, for the Jew, understand, that's not how it was then. In fact, the, the act of burial was such a pious act. Even for a stranger, the Jews had rituals. They were very ritualistic. It was a spiritual act, the burial of the dead. It was something that they held in high regard. They followed the laws of God in regards to burying the dead. And so for Jesus to say to this man who he called, let the dead bury the dead, not only does it come off to the unaware reader, it comes off as insensitive, but they don't understand how could he call him to do, to dishonor his father in that way. The man's not asking to bury a stranger, he's asking to bury his father. But if you don't understand the culture and the historical setting of the Jew and the culture of Judaism, then you'd miss the truth. Understand that when a Jew died, especially when a Jew died, that they would bury him quickly. Oftentimes the, the burial would take place, one part of the ceremony could take place the same day of death. That's not the case with us. We die, the funeral's five days later. Understanding that background sheds light on what Jesus is trying to convey it is believed, and I, and I hold fast to this thought also, it is believed that the young man was asking, watch this now, he was asking for time ultimately to bury his father, but his father, the language lays, leads us to believe that his father had not died yet. That's why this matters. If the young man had already lost his father, then he would have ultimately said, I just need a day. That's not what he was asking. The language of the text implies that he needed an extended amount of time, an uncertain amount of time, for him to tend to his father until he died, and then after his father passed and after he was buried, then he'd follow. I don't even have to preach this anymore because if you don't understand where the Spirit of God is trying to take you and where Jesus is trying to take his followers with this, you're missing it already. The man was ultimately saying, let me do what I need to do first. Now, let's look at the text here. There are a few things that, 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 that I want to point out. Notice in the text, firstly, watch it now. Notice, firstly, that the call of Christ was, was revelatory. Put the note up there, brother. Number one, notice firstly that the call of Christ is revelatory. In other words, that means that when Jesus calls us, what's going to happen in the life of a believer is it is going to reveal some things. At the call comes revelation. You have to get this. Now, if you understand Luke's gospel, if you go back just for some context, the man before this man, he, he's the one that said, let me follow you. Jesus didn't call him. Are you with me? Look at your Bible. Now, it's not in the note, brother, but go, give me the text now and go back a few verses. Give me the text, brother, please. Follow me. Work with me, brother, Baltimore. Go, go with me now. Give me the text. Now, go back a little bit. Give me the verse 56. Can you do that? 
Now, as he does it, one of you read it because you have your Bible out already. So let's read verse 56. What does it say? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Keep reading. Notice, the man in the first, watch it, the man in this verse says what? Lord, I'll follow you. Where? Lord, I'll follow you. What? He cried out to Jesus. He sees Jesus and he says, I'll follow you. Where? Wherever you go, I'll follow you, right? Keep reading, 58. So Jesus said to him, what did he say? The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has what? By the way, that's another hard saying of Jesus. But we're dealing with this one first. And then, watch it now, so the first man says, hey, I'll follow you. Jesus turns around and hits him with, following me is going to come naturally with hardship. Second man, and this is the man that we're dealing with now. Give me the text now, verse 59. And then he said, who said? Jesus. Watch it now, here's what's different. Jesus, this man didn't tell the Lord that he was going to follow him. The Lord called him. The first man called out to Jesus. The second man, Jesus called out to him. Are you following this? Now, with that said, I, I want you to understand, put, give me the point back up there, brother, that when God calls us, what comes with the call is revelation. Revelation of what? Don't be scared of that word. It's going to reveal the call of God when he calls you and he will call you. When he calls you, it's going to reveal some things. What's it going to reveal? It's going to reveal all the things that ultimately are going to hinder you from putting him first. When God calls us, put, put the point up there, by calling the man, because he calls, by calling the man to him, Christ would begin to reveal the things in him that would keep him from putting the kingdom of God first. Somebody shout first. Now, notice in the text the, that, that the man uses the very word. He says, but first, let me go. You understand that the, that the Bible says repeatedly, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, but seek ye secondly, seek ye thirdly, but seek ye what? You know the verse, seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And all these things shall be what? Added unto you. And so we're never given the option of putting his kingdom work second or third. God has this crazy idea that he expects to be first in your life. <laughs> Silly. Silly. God has this radical notion that he comes first. <laughs> How silly of God to expect that kind of radical devotion from his followers. The call of Christ is always revelatory. That means that he's always going to reveal the things that are going to keep you from putting him first. I'll never forget when I knew that I was called to ministry and God then, and he's still doing it, then he began to reveal in me the things that would keep me, the things that would hinder me from walking in that call. Let me tell you something. If the hand of God, when he calls you, especially when he, first of all, you're all called to serve him. You're all called to worship him. You're all called to surrender your life to him. But then there's a distinct call. There's a call to ministry. There's a call to serve him. That hand of God never leaves you. It's never lifted, but it's heavy on you. It is heavy on you until you walk in that call, obey that call, operate in that call. But when he calls you to serve him, by God, I promise you, as much as you try to avoid, as much as you try to escape, he is going to continuously reveal in you the things that are keeping you from putting his kingdom work first. He's going to bring it to the surface. And that's what he does in the hard saying. The man didn't lose. He hadn't lost his father yet. But what he was saying was, Lord, I have other things to do. And once these things are done, then I'm willing to follow. 
Now, I, I, it begs the question, what are some of the things that are keeping you from putting the kingdom first? What are, the, what are some of those things that are keeping you from serving in your calling? Now, look at the text. Secondly, the second thing we see is the response of the man. The response of the man seemed <laughs> reasonable. The call of Christ, first of all, is always revelatory. Secondly, the response of the man seemed to be what? Reasonable, right? Hey, his father's going to die eventually, so let him take care of that first. Seems reasonable, right? Is the Lord irrational? Is the Lord unreasonable? Watch what the text says. He says, let me first, somebody shout first, let me first go and what? Bury my father. That tells us very simply as I was studying the spirit of God so gently said, son, I want you to see how the man was, it's not that he was unwilling, he wasn't ready though. Put it up there. So, so that tells us that the man was willing. You see this, Marlene? The man was willing but not ready. Are you seeing that in the text? What does Jesus do? He calls him. He calls the man, right? What does he tell the man? Follow me. Look at your Bible. It's there in the text. Get, 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 give, me the, give me the verse, brother, because they're, they're, they're a little sleepy and, I'm, and I'm, so am I. <laughs> give me the text. Ready? No, give me the text, verse 59. Thank you, brother. I don't need 56 anymore. 59. Ready? Go. And he said to another, help me read, follow me. What did he say? What did he say? Follow me. Can you imagine if Jesus called you that way? My mind is not in, it's not, it's not in the notes, but, but I believe it's in 1 Kings, and correct me if I'm wrong, 1 Kings chapter 20, 1 Kings 20, I think it is, when Elijah goes to Elisha, and he walks by, help me, Bible scholars, you, he walks by Elisha, right, and what does he do? Does he talk to him? No. In the text there, if, I hope I'm right in the text, watch it now, he walk, the prophet Elijah goes to Elisha, but because everything's type and shadow. So he comes, watch it now, because Jesus is greater than the prophets. <clears throat> Elisha lays his mantle on Elisha, right? What he does is he throws it on him. Doesn't say anything. And then he walks away. And what does Elisha say to him? Wait! Let me go and say goodbye to my father. That's what Elisha said to Elijah. Elijah throws the mantle on him and Elisha says, Wait! I'll follow, but first, let me go back to my house and what? Say goodbye to my parents. That's not unreasonable, right? That's fair. Are you following? That's fair. Got to say goodbye. Because he was working the plow when he called him. Elisha was working the plow when the, when the prophet Elijah comes, lays his mantle on him. And I love Elijah's response. He turns to him and says, what, what have I done to you? In other words, what did I say? Did I say anything? I just laid the mantle on you. In other words, go and do as you please. Uh, scholars believe that Elijah or that Elisha should have known what it implied, and, they, and, and most say that he did. Fast forward to the Gospels. Jesus says, follow me. The man says, I'm willing to do that, but first, let me. And I, I sense, I, I sense, I sense such, 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 such a, 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 a resistance in our hearts. I say our hearts. There's such a resistance in our hearts to come to terms with the excuses that you've laid at the master's feet as to why you're still not ready. You see, because he calls you, he says, follow me. 
And it's not that you're not willing to follow Jesus. It's just that you're not ready to follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest deceptions that your adversary will, will use against you is telling you, convincing you that you're not ready to follow him fully. Guess what? You're never going to feel ready to follow and surrender. Get rid of the lie, call it what it is, and say, God, give me grace to follow you radically when you call me. Somebody shout hallelujah. Clap your hands and give God praise this morning because he's worthy of that. How many of you are willing to follow Jesus? All five of you. How many of you are willing to follow Jesus? But how many of you are not ready? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Gary. <laughs> I'm willing, but I'm not. Like some of you like, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm not. Maybe this is for second service. Maybe y'all are already following and ready. But, but I, know, I know people. I, I'm willing to follow Jesus. I'm cool with Jesus, but I'm just not there yet. Where yet? What's, where is there? Well, I'm willing to follow. I'm not, there. I'm not ready. Ready for what? That's why I love the Royal Rangers, Elder Brown. You don't know nothing about the Royal Rangers. But, but the Assemblies of God has a, a boys program called Royal Rangers. And you want to know what our motto, I think it was our motto. I wasn't a great ranger, as you can tell. I'm out of shape. I've always been chubby. Couldn't do the push-ups. But, oh, Michael's here. Maybe you can help me. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the Royal Rangers, we were taught as young boys. Uh, what, what, help me, Michael. Is it the motto? Ready. Is that the motto? You don't even know yourself. He's like, I forgot too. Ready. What? Oh, we, oh, okay, he's a better arranger than you were. That's right, Josue, right, brother? Ready. That's what they told us, young boy. Ready. There we were. This tall. Ready. Ready for anything. I don't even know if we were saluting, hand on the heart. I don't even remember what we were doing. Who are we saluting? Who knows? There we were, ready, ready for anything. Watch it now. We're like seven-year-old chubby kids. Ready. Well, I was chubby. Ready, ready for anything. Ready to work, play, because we're little. Work, play, work, work, play, work. Work, play, worship, live, and etc. Isn't that deep? When you're a youngster, worship, live, worship, play, uh, etc. Now, you're grown now. Can you say ready? Ready to work, play, worship, live. And here's the key. Are you willing to say, etc.? You see, that's 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 deeper than, than you understand. That that the unknown. Are you willing to follow him at the risk of your life? Are you willing to follow him radically to say, where you lead me, I'll follow you. That's the et cetera that comes in your yes. Whatever comes my way, I'll follow. I'm willing, but are you ready? Are you willing? Most of you would say, yes. The question is, are you ready? And I hope you'd say, yes. Thirdly, in the text, understand we're almost done. Thirdly, the response of Jesus, watch it now, the reply of Jesus was radical. The man's, the man's answer to him was reasonable. It seemed reasonable, right? Let me go and bury my father. But the issue was his father wasn't even dead yet. So he was saying, I'm willing to follow, just not now. Just like some of you are saying, I'm willing to follow Jesus, just not now. You know how many people think that they have time to party? 
Y'all ain't talking to me at the 8 o'clock service. You know how many people think that they have just a few more parties they got to get in? You know how many people say that? I'll follow Jesus, but I'll follow him when I'm older. You know how many, you many, you know how many of y'all said that? I'll follow Jesus, but I'm, st- I'm too young for all that. When the Bible says serve the Lord, serve, serve the Lord, honor your creator in your youth. Before the years have gone by, before your best years are gone, you find no pleasure in your years anymore. Don't wait until then. Do it now. Serve him now. Nudge your neighbor and tell him, serve the Lord now. Come on, tell somebody, serve the Lord now. Tell him you might not get another chance. (laughs) The reply of Jesus was radical. What was his reply, abundant life? He said, he turns to the man. The man says, let me bury my father first. And what does he say? He says, hey, let the dead, what? Let the dead bury the dead. It's better translated, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. That's what the original language really says. Let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. There's a story of a man by the name of John McNeil, and I'm not one for stories and illustrations, but, but, but it ministered to me. John McNeil was a well-known Scottish preacher when his father died in Scotland. Watch it now. Towards the end of the 19th century, he was in, he was in the English Midlands, and he was scheduled to preach an evangelistic meeting. On the day that he was scheduled to preach an evangelistic meeting was his father's funeral, his burial. And this evangelist, this Scottish preacher, John McNeil, said, I, I, I know that the people would have understood if I would have canceled the meeting. But his evangelistic meeting, watch it now, in the 19th century was the very day of his father's funeral. People would have understood if he would have canceled. But he went on to say the following, put it up there. He put, but I dare not do so. And he shared this, uh, uh, talking about the text and how it ministered to him. He said, I dare not do so, for this same Jesus stood by me, and as it was as if his words seemed to say, now, look, I have you. Praise God when he says, I have you. He said, you go and you preach the gospel to those people. Would you rather bury the dead or raise the dead? And I went to preach. Would you rather bury the dead or raise the dead? Now, he didn't mean raise the dead. Literally, spiritually speaking, he was preaching an evangelistic meeting to spiritually dead people. So the Lord, he said, I felt the Lord come and say, go and preach the gospel. I know your father's dead and I know his burials today, but go and preach that meeting. I have you. And let me share a very personal testimony to you people here at Abundant Life Church. And I wish that it, and it, and it is in part my own, but it is, and I'm grateful that it is also the testimony of my associate. And I told her a week and a half ago or so, I said, Marlene, you have to understand the fact that you are, you are a co-laborer to me in this house for this season of your life. Do you understand that that, that anointing, just like the scripture says, it runs from the head down the beard all the way down the garment. I said, whatever grace that God has given to me, whatever grace he's bestowed upon me, whatever it is, whatever gifts he's given to me, whatever anointing, whatever grace, whatever mercy he's shown to me, that same thing runs from the head. It runs down the beard, down the garments. I said, God, that same grace, God has shed that grace on you. He's given you insight to his word, understanding and wisdom beyond your ministerial years. Do you understand? And God is going to continue you to do that and I'm grateful and I see the fruit of that in her 
Because when her father died, the next day, if I'm not mistaken, after losing her father, we had an event here at the church. It was a women's event. I don't recall what it was. And she had to be here. She had to serve. And guess what? She was here in the house of God the very next day after her father died. And I'm going to share something personal so that you understand. Her sisters, one who comes to this church, were beside themselves saying, I don't understand how you can do it. They don't understand how come you're not torn like I'm torn. And, and, and what all she could say was, I believe that my father is no longer suffering, that he has received eternity's reward. And so my job is to be about the business of my f- I'm not telling you to skip your father's funeral, but what I'm telling you is, is that when God calls you, his kingdom, his work, there has to be an urgency there. There's an urgency there to be about the father's business. When my mother passed away, you saw this pastor. You saw your pastor, and my heart yet grieves over this. You saw your pastor, not for vain glory, but I can preach this with fervor and without favor or fear because I've walked this out. You saw your pastor stand without taking time off. I stood in proclaim the word of God. Was I in pain? Of course I was. But I know that my mother's pain had ceased. I still have a race to run and my allegiance and my obedience is not to her. It's to my creator, my king and my God. He is my Lord and I decided to say yes to follow wherever he leads me. Are you in the house today? Am I saying that that's what you need to do? That's not what I'm saying. But the question this morning is Is the kingdom of God, is there an urgency to be about it? Where's the urgency for the work of God? Where is it? Was Jesus being insensitive? No. Was he being unreasonable? No, but his reply was radical. And let me tell you something. If that makes you uncomfortable, if the radical requirements of Jesus makes you uncomfortable, then I don't know if you're ready to follow. Tell me how a Muslim's willing and ready to blow himself up to get to believe a lie that virgins are waiting for him in in paradise. Tell me how they're willing to do it, but we can't get Christians willing to pray at 6 in the morning. You want to talk about I'm not comfortable with this radical Jesus? But Muslims are following a false God. Y'all ain't saying amen to me. I don't care whether you disagree or not. They're following a false demon spirit God. Are you hearing me? What kind of God tells them, go and blow yourself up so you can have 70 virgins in heaven? You think that's God? You think God's going to tell you to kill yourself so you can get 70 virgins in heaven? That is not God. And they do it. And they do it with pride. If you think the claims of Jesus are radical, friend, all he's asking you to do is follow him to the end. And I, and I wish I could sing because I'd sing that old song where he leads me, I will follow where he leads me I will follow where he leads me I will follow you know that song I think that's how it goes am I right then it says I will trust him or I'll go with him with him all the way you see sister Lupe it wasn't enough for my mom to serve the Lord since her youth only to fall out at the end of her race you had to go all all the way. I don't know about you this morning, but my heart's desire is to finish this race that I've started. My heart's desire is to make it to the end of this race. 
Come on, is your heart's desire to get to the end? Then clap your hands and give God thanks. I want to get to the end. Man wanted to put it up there. The man wanted to follow Jesus. Just not yet. Like some of you, you want to follow Jesus, but just not yet. He knew that he should do it, but he felt that there's a good reason why he could not do it now. What's your reason for not doing it now? Now, the purpose and the application behind this hard saying is twofold, and, and I end with this. What was the purpose of Jesus in teaching this? Number one, put it up there. Uh, number one, Jesus is heightening the urgency of his work, and he wants you to do the same. It's urgent. How many believe that, 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 that we're living in the last days? Would you agree to that statement? Do you believe then that his work is urgent? Oh, nobody believes that when in life that his work is urgent. Do you believe his work is urgent? Why are we here at 8 o'clock in the morning? Because I don't have anything better to do on a Sunday? Why are we here? Why are we planning a church in Coachella? Because we don't have anything better to do? I have people in my family that are wondering, why they, there's already other churches in Coachella. They're saying, there's already other churches here. Why do you got to come here? Why do we got to come here? Right? Brother David, don't ever wonder, why are we, no, why are we here? Brother, the next time somebody says, why are you here? You tell them, because people are dying every day, and we're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom until he comes. Whether you like it or you don't like that's why there's urgency to his work. If you save, think about this, if you save one family from going to hell, one family from going to hell, then it was worth it all. Hallelujah. If you save one family from going to hell forever, then it was worth it all. If that Coachella plant saves two families, five families, then those five families were, were spared from eternal hell fire. That's worth it for me. That's worth it. Where's the urgency? Jesus is saying, hey, hey, go watch it out. The end of the text, what does it say? It says, go and what? What did he tell him? Let, let, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. And then he gave him a call. Then he gave him a mandate. What was it? Go and what? He said, go and proclaim. What? Give me the text, brother. Please give me the text. Verse 60. We're, we're, we're running out of time. Give me the text. But he said to him, allow the spiritually dead to bury their own physically dead. But as for you, what? Go and what? Help me, church. Go on what? Proclaim everywhere the what? Kingdom of God. He's hiding the urgency. Where's the urgency? Number two, this is what he's doing. The second thing that he's doing, the second thing that, he, that we see in the text is he's placing, watch it now, he is placing loyalty to his cause above cultural expressions. Oh, and this is big for us. He's placing loyalty to his cause above cultural expressions, family loyalties. You're lucky I'm out of time. And anything that would hinder us from putting him first? You know, I don't, I'm willing to follow Jesus, but just not yet because my family. No, 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 no. even your loyalty to your family. Jesus comes first. Jesus comes before my family. Jesus comes before your family. Jesus is your savior. Is he not? Yeah, he should be. Now, does that seem unreasonable? No. Because it's not ultimately, it's not until you give him your family. That you're really gonna that you're really gonna have a family. See, the deception of Satan is that no, I can't come here because I have my family. No, no, that's that's exactly why you need to come and follow. 
What are you loyal to? Who are you loyal to? You know how many people don't come to church because of family? There's multitudes. Multitudes because of their family. He's saying, hey, be loyal to me above, above your cultural expression, above family loyalties, anything that's going to hinder you from putting me first. So here's the exhortation as we close. This is what I want to exhort you to do. Number one, I need you to recognize the things that are keeping you from putting Christ and his kingdom first. I need you to ask God for the grace to follow him and to be loyal to his cause above all other causes. And guess what? Your work is a cause. Your career is a cause. Your family is a cause. Your money is a cause. That's what he's calling you to do. Recognize these things are keeping me from putting you first, Lord. I lay them down just like we sang. I lay them down for greater gain. Secondly, let me exhort you. Let me exhort you to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He didn't say seek ye second, seek ye when you're ready. He said seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, this was the man's folly. He said, but first let me. Just like you today in your heart are saying, but first, Lord, let me. Bow your head. Father, I ask this morning that you would take the word, Lord, the word that I ever so clumsily preached this this morning, Lord, I pray that you would take it, Lord, plant it in the hearts of your people and begin to challenge them, Lord, in regards to the things that are keeping them from putting you first. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for complacency instead of having urgency about your kingdom work. Lord, the days are evil and dark and they're short, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would compel us now more than ever to be about our Father's business. Many are falling away to the left and to the right, and yet here we stand by your grace alone. Keep us, Lord, I pray, on the vine. Keep us in your word. Keep us in your grace. Keep us from the evil one, I pray, that we might be about our Father's business like you were, Lord. Help us to lay down all lesser things for greater gain. This is our prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...